0: Okay, well, if you have not met me before, my name is Lauren Etter. Um, I am, get to serve as the Director of Women's Studies here at Rock Point. And I get to share with you this morning, because Chris is not sick. <laughs> this was actually a planned thing. She is actually on vacation, a well-deserved and earned vacation. She is in Arizona, sending me all kinds of pictures, which makes me super jealous. Um, she's got all kinds of great stories when she comes back. And she is just loving being time, having time with her family and her friends um, while she is just in the most incredible landscape ever. So I can't wait to see what God has shared with her when she comes back. Whenever she goes away and we're getting this many pictures, we know that something good is coming back with her. So um, we will get the treat and the gift when she comes back. But y'all will laugh about this. As everyone probably remembers, two weeks ago when Chris had the flu and bronchitis, I had about two hours to get ready to teach. And so I thought, I can do this. I zoned in, we got it done. It was a wonderful couple of days of teaching. This teaching I have known I had since last, since last semester, and I'm sweating this one out. I'm sweating in places I don't think you should sweat. I cannot believe how, much, how nervous I am about this teaching. And I have taught before. I taught um, at CBS for several years. And so I told her, she's like, how are you feeling about this teaching? And I said, honestly, no one is praying harder for you to come back safe than I am. <laughs> so um, I appreciate y'all's grace because um, I, I told her, I was like, I can't believe I've had extra time. And I feel less prepared, which that is so how I work. I'm one of those people in the morning, if I have extra time to get ready, I am late. I do not do well with excess at all. Um, But I loved being in the study. It was a provision that this is the week we were in when I had to teach because it was exactly what I need to soak in as I prepared to share with you guys. In homework this week, Chris discussed that we are all on a pilgrimage or a journey making our way in what seems like an often uphill battle, an ascent um, to, our, to our long-term home, and what our ultimate destination would be. What is that for each of us? And so as I was reading that, I thought, you know, when I think of a pilgrimage, I think of a pilgrim, and then I automatically think of pilgrim. I go back to the little paper hat when I was a kid in elementary school and the Thanksgiving feast. Um, I thought, I need to probably look up what pilgrim means. And so I did look it up, and I was surprised by what the definition was because I don't think I correlated that to pilgrim. A pilgrim is defined as a person who journeys to a sacred place for religious reasons. So then I looked at pilgrimage, and a pilgr- pilgrimage is defined as a pilgrim's journey and a journey to a place associated with someone or something well known or respected. Um, she mentioned in her day one lesson this week as we, that Psalms 120 through Psalms 134 is commonly referred to as songs, the songs of a sense, um, and that these songs were the songs that were sung and worshiped um, as the different. Um, pilgrims or hebrews were traveling to jerusalem for their festivities or their worship festivals Um, they traveled a long hard journey and even through the hard journey they worshiped and they praised she mentioned eugene peterson who i was not familiar with and when i looked him up i found a really cool quote that he says he says that the followers of as followers of christ we are all pilgrims but we are also disciples always moving and always learning This week's homework was a great reflective time for me and my family. Um, And the first thought I had is there was a question she had that she asked, what your Jerusalem was? Well, I thought about what is my personal Jerusalem? Well, my personal Jerusalem is to be in heaven with, with our Heavenly Father. But am I always focused really on that or am I focused on earthly areas of rest? And that was something I had to think about. It made me think about, as we're thinking about pilgrimage or a journey, what does that mean? It, to me, it means forward movement. It may not be fast, but it means you're constantly moving forward. You're not going backwards. You're not zigzagging. That journey to our ultimate destination is a forward move. It may just be a few steps, but you're always moving forward. But in reflecting back on my own life, as that journey has, has continued, I thought about all the times that my journey stops and I get stuck and why I don't take those steps forward. And I think a lot of us can relate to that, that we don't always feel like we're moving forward. We get obstacles and twists and turns thrown in our way, and we get stuck. We let fear and distrust and worry stop us from taking the forward steps that God's calling us to. And it made me reflect about why that happens to me. And for me, as I peel back the layers, it comes down to some very common themes that a lot of people probably can relate to. It comes to control. I'm someone that don't, I don't necessarily want my way all the time. I like my way. But that's not where my control issues come from. It comes from a, a need to protect the ones I love. If I can control the situation and try to control the outcome, there's no surprises and I can be prepared. And that comes then to a level of trust, is that I'm not trusting that his will and his way is going to be what I want, that he doesn't know better. And so as I peel those layers back, I realized that often I get stuck out of, one, fear and mistrust, but two, I can get very comfortable in unhealthy situations. You want to remember, can, reflect, can I identify with that? I can get really stuck in situations where it may not be the best situation for me. It may not be a situation I'm flourishing in. It may not be a job or a role or a hobby that is really influencing my life in a positive way, but it's familiar. And familiar is comfortable, and I like comfort. I like fuzzy blankets and sugar and all the things that are white and warmth and good smells and TV. I like comfort. I don't like to be out of my comfort role. But comfort can often keep us from ascending in the journey that we've been called to ascend. I can often stop and get a foot rub on the side of the mountain as opposed to ascending up. Some of us on our journeys feel like we are rock climbing across peaks and cliffs, hanging on by our fingernails. And many of these pilgrims, as they were traveling, were going through worries and concerns and anxieties, very similar to that, but they were praising in the in the midst of that. And we are reminded throughout the Bible that it is possible to have sorrow and joy simultaneously. And that was really something interesting to reflect on as we studied this week. So I don't want to miss out on all the blessings that God has for me, but um, I don't want to miss out on the calling he has on my life out of fear and mistrust. So how do we unpack that? Well, I recently read something about your testimony. Everyone has a testimony about how you came to love the Lord, how you came to know him. And my testimony is, is actually, I guess, relatively boring. I've known about God and loved God as for as, as long as I can remember. I don't remember a time where I, all of a sudden, became a follower of Christ. There's not a time I can remember not loving him. I can definitely remember times that I fell away and didn't, definitely did not have him focus. In my focus point, I wasn't following him the way he was calling me to. But I've always been aware of him. But as we continue to study in the Bible and disciple and follow him, all of us in this room are going to be called to share our testimony with someone at some point. It doesn't mean you give the hour version. It could be a three-minute version. You may be sitting in a, a PTA meeting or in the car line or at a play group or on a plane or in a hotel. Or in a doctor's office where someone asks where you've been or what you're doing. You could be studying at that time. You could be praying. You could be talking about a relationship you have with someone that concerns God. And someone may say, why, why are you a Christian? And you're kind of on. And what would you say to that? Why do you come to Bible study? Why do you follow Christ? It's definitely not because following Christ is the easy route in life. It's definitely hard. There's so much we don't know. Dustin Garner once said a couple years ago in this room on a Sunday morning that Christians definitely have just as many sorrows and pains as someone who is not a believer. In fact, sometimes I think we have more. The difference between us as a follower of Christ and someone who is not is that we have hope, and that is a gift that is transcends all understanding the hope that we are given. But someone once told me as I was reading about testimony is that you can't have a testimony without a test. You can't have a testimony without a test. And that's what this ascent of the mountain. That's what our journeys are. Is they're tests, and they're tests to refine us and deepen our relationship and our understanding, and our knowledge of the character of God as we move up those mountains. Well, over the weekend, my husband and I had a date night, which are few and far between. Way fewer and far between than I probably. My husband loves to go out. I am a homebody because I like comfort. I like my DVR. <laughs> I love, definitely like to have food brought in. I don't necessarily want to have to cook all the time, but I definitely don't venture out as much as he would like to. But this weekend, we got to go out with a group of friends, and we went bowling. And I have not bowled since I was in college many, many years ago at about 19. And I have never professed to be an athlete of any level. I am not. I barely know how to watch sports. let so alone know what's going on. But And bowling isn't is an athletic sport. My husband knows this. He loves me anyway, but he had no idea how bad I was at bowling. And I really don't remember I was that bad. We separated into two teams. We had girls and boys. My friends who know I, I'm non-athlete were very sad. That's how the team split up because they knew I was the heavy. And they made me go first, which is even worse. And so as we bowled, I literally, you have I was trying to bowl this bad. And I was trying. It was so awful. At one point, I think we were almost done. And I only had 16 points, which that's hard to do if you're trying. <laughs> I asked if there was a curve. There wasn't. And I threw the bowling ball so hard, I thought, I'm just not throwing it hard enough. So I threw it so hard, trying to line up with the arrow. It went to someone else's lane, and they were, like, playing a, like, a legit game. They were not happy. It bounced back off their side, back into my lane, which that takes talent. And I still hit no pins. My husband looked at me, and goes, Lauren, I go, I am trying. I know you think I'm not. And he's like, Lauren, you could have closed your eyes and bowled better <laughs> than 16 points. So we played another game, and in that game, I actually bowled 100. I have no idea how. Nothing changed. I kept doing the same thing, and I realized the only thing that's consistent about my bowling ability is inconsistency. And that is kind of a theme in many areas of my life. Um, as we are going through that, it was really reflective about my abilities, about there's times where I am throwing everything I can at my faith and forgetting who is actually in control. Who really holds the outcome, and that if I would trust him to be with me in those movements and not fight against him and and decide I can do it better, it would be so much easier. So much easier. Um, I read this quote and I loved this that if God is going to take me where he wants me to go, I can't be bound to where I've been. I get bound and yoked really easy to familiar. I don't like change, I like to be in the familiarity of what I'm expecting. But if God's going to take me where he wants me to go, I can't be bound to where I've been. Many times, God's direction and his will for our journey and our ascent does not make sense to anyone else but us. Sometimes it makes no sense to us. I know the Lord has definitely called me into things that make no sense to me, that are definitely out of my comfort zone. And I know that God has a sense of humor because of some of the things he calls me into. One of the areas that is terrifying to me is speaking in front of people. and look where I am. So God does have a sense of humor, but he made it very clear a couple years ago, I'm calling you to do something. And he kind of slowly called me into teaching, slowly, slowly. I was actually with community Bible study, which if you're familiar with CBS or BSF, that is where I and Don Leaf both came from. I was a member of Rock Point, but that's where I attended Bible study. And there was a day where they sent out an email and asked people to please come help work in the soundboard. They had no one working the soundboard and we lovingly have Eric up there that helps us out. That's an area that looks scary so a lot of people don't go up there and I'm equally as bad at programming anything on a radio as I am in bowling. So you can imagine like I was not the person they wanted working a very expensive sound system. But in my human sense I thought well I'll offer to help because then they'll like me. And I'm sure everyone else has already offered to help, so I'll never get picked. I'll just get points for offering. That did not work out that way. When I sent an email and offered to come help with the soundboard, little did I know that their servant team, their leadership team, was praying in that hour about someone offering to help, and I was the answer to their prayer. They had no idea the answer to the prayer they had received when they got me into the sound booth. But for two years, I served in the sound booth with my sweet sister-in-law and learned how to use that system. And God did an amazing work on me because it was that during that time frame that my mom was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of breast cancer. And in my family, my mom is the rock. My mom is kind of the fire that we all gather around for warmth. And so that was one of the greatest fears I had was something happening to my parents. And it, here it was right in front of my face. And there was nothing I could do to control it, to handle it, to make it yield in the way I wanted it to. It was a total unknown how it was going to work out. I was absolutely thrown. My life was turned upside down, and the last place I wanted to be was at Bible study. I wanted to shut the world out and be honed in on my house and just pretend this wasn't happening. But I had to get to Bible study because I was the only person that could turn that system on. And God knew that's where I needed to be. And he ministered to me in that booth by myself through the course of her recovery and revealed areas of strongholds that I didn't even know existed. And although I would never wish for my mom to walk through what she walked through, that was one of those met moments that Chris has talked about, that we have markers in our faith, moments where God works in ways that only he can work, and those were markers in my faith. And from that point, I was called into another role within the servant team where I got to work with all the women throughout Bible study. And then after that, I was called into serving as teaching director, which when they asked me, I laughed. It probably came, I mean, laughed like hysterically out of fear because I knew for about six months prior to that, he was calling me to something that I never dreamed that's what he was calling me to. And he reminded me that I wasn't going to do it, that he was going to do it. And he's continued to do that because from that point, I got called in to come and be here and get, get to know all of you and be transformed in ways that, and stretched in ways that I couldn't even have imagined. But if I hadn't said yes to that journey, and if I had not had the faith that he would do it, and if I hadn't been obedient, I would have missed out on all those blessings um, and, and we do miss out on those blessings if we don't call to him and follow the calling he's calling us to. Um, as we were preparing for this, I was going through some of my favorite scriptures. And I don't have a slide for you, but if you want to write these down, these are some of my favorite areas of scripture. Because throughout the word, we're reminded of God's faithfulness and his trust and the love that he has for us as we journey. We're going to be in John 16, um, and this is some in John 14. I'm going to start with John 14, 6. This is one that you all probably recognize. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, which is a directive language. I am the way. I am the direction of your journey. I am the direction of your Jerusalem. I am the truth. I am trustworthy. There is no gray in Jesus. He is totally trustworthy. And I am the life, the life everlasting. This home is temporary. I often thought about throughout the time that my mom was ill and through other struggles that my family has been through is that if this world was more comfortable, if we did not have sorrow and struggles and worries, we would not yearn for him like we do. There's no time that I pray hard in when I'm in the middle of a battle. And when I come out of the battle, there's no time that I worship in a deeper level when he's brought me out of something that has been what my version of hell would be. But if this life was easy, we would not yearn for him. We would not yearn for him to return, and we would not yearn for him to come home. And so that is one of the benefits, one of the blessings of allowing hard in this life. But this is only temporary. He is the life. He is the starting, he is the point we are reaching for. In John 16, 33, he's told us this. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. And this particular scripture comes from a point that we probably are all studying right now. This is in the, in the discussions that Jesus is having with the disciples as he knows his death is coming. And he's trying to prepare them for what's coming because they're, they're not understanding what's getting ready to happen. And so he's lovingly trying to make them understand that things are getting ready to change drastically. And it's never going to look the way they thought it was going to. So he tells them, I have told you all of this so that you would have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, not just one, many trials and sorrows. But here is the promise. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Nothing sifts through Jesus' hands without his authority. And we are protected because we are his. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, he says, Go therefore, and you've heard Chris talk about the word therefore, Go, which is directive language, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all, even the hard stuff, even the stuff that people don't want to hear, all that I have commanded you. And here's my favorite area of this scripture And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He is trustworthy. He is constant. He is always with us. Jesus tells us he is the way, the direction for our journey, our, pilgr- our pilgr- pilgr- pilgrimages, and he is the truth. He is trustworthy. He's life, the life. Um, you all studied Psalm 121. If you all want to bring that up in your, in your um, homework or even in your Bible, I'm going to go through Psalm 121. I love this psalm. Um, in Psalm 121, it says, I lift my eyes to the hills. I look up. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. We are told to look up. He is the great I AM, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber or sleep. He never rests. He is always at work. <clears throat> the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor by the moon at night. He is our protector. He is our director, he's our compass, he's our shield. The Lord will keep you from all evil. You are his. You have been sealed. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. From this time forth, and there it is again, forevermore. He is with you every step of the way. In Psalm 121, we're told to lift our eyes to the hills to look up to where our help comes from, to look to the Lord, which I take to mean to work with him, to commune, to worship, to praise, to be quiet. And then we read in Micah 7:7, which says this, Micah 7:7. but as for me, I will, which is a decision we make, look, which is an action verb, to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation, and my God will hear me. I will pray and wait expectantly on his will and I will trust his answer his way. If you go back to your homework on day one, you read Psalm 120, which says in verse one, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. You know, you might notice throughout the word that there are many times we're told about people praying. Prayer is absolutely emphasized throughout the Bible because it is a tool that we can use to commune with God, but also there is power in prayer. But often, we are not told the answers to the prayer. We're just told he answered. And to me, that is not something we should miss out on. Often, God's answer to our prayer is not what we were hoping. But it's still the best answer. We have to trust the character of who we know God is. We trust his will. And in this scenario, we're told that he answered, but we're not told what the answer was. We're reminded of the power of prayer as we read read scripture and the power of his written word. Lisa Turker says this of prayer. Prayer is bringing your wishes and worries to God, and faith is leaving them there. We are never told that we're going to be free from hardships or sorrows or worries in the Bible. In fact, we're told to expect the opposite, and I liken that to childbirth. There were several examples I came up with, but this was the first one that came to mind, is that when I had my children, it's only in God's presence that we can be in extreme pain like that, but also experiencing extreme joy, knowing the birth of our child is coming. I, I liken that to what it's like to walk in this world with the sovereignty and peace of God in the midst of sorrow and pain. Someone once told me that I have to believe that God's, God knows what He's doing when I don't un- like what He's doing, or God, I have to believe that God knows what He's doing even when I don't when He's doing not what I want Him to. And I've gone back to that many times. Is that I have to go back to the character of who I know He is when I either don't understand His ways or would not choose what he is allowing. As we were studying, I have to say to you that I was going back through John in many ways, kind of correlating that between this and the Psalms. And I came upon an area in John 16 that I had not noticed before. If I noticed it, I forgot it. And it came back to the example I gave to you all about childbirth. Jesus actually mentioned that in John 16, and this is what he says. In John 16, starting in verse 20, and this is still in discussions with the um, different disciples about what was coming, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. He's talking about his death. And here he's mentioning that upon his death, the demons thought they had won because they didn't know the end of the story yet. He tells them, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So you will also have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take the joy from you. If you scroll down into John 16, verse 33, he reminds us again, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And then we enter into my very favorite areas of scripture that I hold on to. And I go back to this time of year, every year, because of the timing of Easter, but because also it just washes over me who I serve. This incredible king who came and died for me and loved me before I ever even knew him. And so I'm going to read to you John um, 17, which is the high priestly prayer. And if you're not familiar with this area of scripture, this is the prayer that Jesus spoke and prayed right after he shared with the disciples what was gonna come. But what you may have never caught is that is a prayer that includes you and I very specifically. So when we get to that point, I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and I want you to listen to his words and listen to him speaking to you. But I wanna remind you that as we study scripture, you might have noticed there's a lot of repetitive words. We're reminded a lot about do not fear. We're reminded a lot that we will have trials and sorrows. We're reminded a lot that he is the way, the truth. We are reminded a lot that we serve a high priestly king. There are areas that we are reminded of, and that is purposeful because he knows that we are a people that we need to be reminded. One, because we forget, and two, because it's loving to continue to remind us how much he loves us. Speaker Jackie Hill Perry recently said this God, through his prophets, was constantly communicating with his people, even when they were choosing not to take heed, meaning not to pay attention. There is mercy in repetition. And Pastor Tony Evans recently posted that our greatest need is not self-confidence, but confidence in God. Jesus knows that we're a people with many fears and struggles and hurts and desires and needs. He walked amongst us. He's familiar with what this life is like. He understands the hard parts of this life, of our own pilgrimages, of our journeys, back to him. He modeled for the disciples how to live and navigate this life as we travel alongside him. Here are some examples he gives us in the word. Jesus was in community. We are not meant to be alone. We are meant to be in community. It's a difference between retreating and isolating. It's okay to retreat. We saw Jesus retreat on the mountainside and be with God. That's healthy. Isolating, which is something I tend to do, is not. Jesus was in community. He kept the commandments. He prayed. He spent time alone with God. He shared the truth with everyone God placed in his life. He offered mercy and grace and forgiveness. He kept his ultimate destination, God's will as his focus always. He knew that God would supply and provide for his every need. He trusted his father completely and without question. That level of trust, that unyielding faith is incredible. And that's something I strive for, but unfortunately I fall short many times. As we lifted lifted up um, our different Psalms, Psalm 131 came to mind, and this is a very short psalm, but there is an area that is very um, poignant for me. It says this, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great or too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth, and there is again forevermore. And this is a picture of what I ultimately feel like the peace will be for me when I get to go home. If you think about an infant, a brand new baby, when they are born, they are totally helpless. They are completely dependent on someone else taking care of them. Not only for their emotional nourishment, but for their physical nourishment. They can't do anything for themselves. They are completely helpless. And that's often how we should feel because we are helpless without God. We may think we do it on our own, but we don't. We need his help all the time. But as a baby grows, it starts to have thoughts and fears and needs and anxieties and wants. And they're no longer like a sweet, healthy baby. I think of a brand new baby that has been freshly bathed, that smells like the pink Johnson Johnson baby lotion, my favorite smell. Their hair is freshly combed. They've just been fed. They have a brand new diaper on. They're wrapped in something soft and cozy. They're swallowed up tight, and they're sleeping peacefully. There is no care in the world. They completely trust that they're going to get what they need when they need it. They have no fear, no worry, and that is the visual I think of when I, we get to go home is that level of peace and care, knowing that you are totally taken care of. That's the striving that we have to be able to feel and yearn for. As we enter into this, this prayer, I want you to imagine that Jesus knew you were going to be here in this moment. He knew everything you're, you've walked through. He knows what's coming. He knows what your journey is to him ultimately, what will take. And he has equipped you with everything that you need for that journey. He's surrounded you with everything you need, from family to friends to women, possibly in this group. You have everything you need for the journey he has called you to. He will never leave your side. And he called out to our Heavenly Father on our behalf on that very fateful day. When he knew what was coming for him, he still thought of us. So I would love for you to shut your eyes and listen to this prayer. You will hear it as we close in on where he called out for each of you in this prayer. And John 17, it says this. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven. He looked up and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence, with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people you have gave me out of your world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know everything that you have given Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. Not one of them has been lost except for the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world that they may become perfectly ones, that the world will know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, that's us, also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, And I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. He loved you before you ever knew him. And he will love you to the day you get to meet him face to face. What a blessing that is. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, what a gift it is to have your word. What a gift it is to have your spirit within us that guides us and prompts us and reminds us of your presence. I thank you, Lord, that we have your word and your son, your spirit, and the opportunity to come to you before your throne anytime we need to. I thank you, Lord, that you are always available, always working, that you are faithful even when we are not, and that you are trustworthy. I ask, God, for your abundant blessings to be placed on the families represented in this room, that they would have peace and rest and rejoice in your presence over next week. I ask, God, that for those that have heavy prayers, that in the midst of the trials, the journeys they're on, that they would also have joy, that they would see how the two can be intertwined in your presence. I ask, God, that we would glorify you in the next hour, and that we will come to know you in a deeper level, and ask, God, for your abundant blessings placed on this church and these people. We love and thank you and ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.